1: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You heard her. Go subscribe.
1: Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I'm your host, Monique Russell. Today, in my guest chair, I have someone I highly admire and respect. His ability to connect with anyone at any level is truly unmatched. He's known as a coach's coach, and his name is Perry Rue. Perry Rue is known as Coach Perry, and he's the former leadership coach of one of America's well-regarded companies, IBM. And for those of you that are listening and you are familiar with IBM, you know that IBMers, they are pioneers in innovative thinking. He's the founder of Rising Awareness, a social change movement, which we'll talk about today. Ecclesia, an organization for coaches by coaches. And really what I love the most about Coach Perry is that he's able to handle any topic, any day, without backing down, and he's what I call an expert in handling conversations that create inner and outer turbulence. Coach Perry, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much, Monique. You know, words can't express, (laughs) you know, how thrilled I am. You know, even in this setting here, which is the first time we're in this setting, but each time we get together, like I said earlier, we just start talking and we just see what happens and what happens at the other end is always good. <laughs> so Always. So and I you.
1: know you are so welcome. The listeners are going to be in for a treat. Yeah. So Coach Perry, you know, I always ask my guests right. right at the top of the show, if you could choose anywhere you would want to be in the world right now where would you choose to be and why?
0: It would be Cape Town, South Africa.
1: Cape Town, (laughs) South Africa. Okay, so you're going to have to tell me why, because South Africa is one of my favorite countries and my best friend lives there. I can't wait to go back.
0: I've, I've never been to Cape Town. And, you know, of course I've seen on, you know, National Geographic and what have you. I mean, just pictures and videos and so on. But the reason I want to be in Cape Town is because the work that you had mentioned earlier that I'm doing, the social side of my business, which is so, uh, Rising Awareness, there are a couple of my team members who are in Cape Town, South Africa. And as I'm sharing with my team members for us, I want them to write down, it's not a bucket list, but this is where we, what we're doing. Within, I would say, two years or less, we are all are going to convene in Cape Town, South Africa to celebrate, <laughs> to just love on one another and just appreciate each other and one another in the work you know, that we're doing for social change. So my team members are made up of coaches here in the United States, in uh, Sa- Cape Town, South Africa, Renana, Israel. Uh, the United Kingdom. So all of us, you know, we're saving our bucks now. (laughs) We're going to converge.
1: Yeah, save it up. Well, I'm
0: living it right now where I really want to be in South Africa.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So first of all, I have had many people talk about where would they want to be and Mm -hmm. they would talk about because of the culture or maybe because of The food or the environment of relaxation but what's drawing you to this place where you've never been before is to connect with your team members and even Mm -hmm. though you have team members and say Israel why didn't you pick Israel
0: you know Israel is on my list as well but here's why Cape Town South Africa because one of the things we talk about is communication. And, and I tell folks, especially in this space, there are some questions and statements, you know, I make that may, is not to, uh, intended to be offensive or what have you. It may be out of ignorance. So feel free to give me a virtual slap in the face.
1: <laughs> no slaps here.
0: But, here. but here's why it's out there. So as I'm doing this work, I shared with, my team members in South Africa, I said, now, I could be off, I could be wrong here. But you know, 26 years ago it may sound like a long time ago and it's really not. But 26 years ago, if I'm correct, was when apartheid had been dismantled. And my South African coaches, I told them because I, I love history. I said, what you guys are doing, because I'm looking for like-minded, like-spirited, coaches who are already doing this work of racial healing and I said what you're currently doing in South Africa and the work and the level of courage is what I imagine in our history here in the United States what the beginning of reconstruction was probably like in 1865 when Ulysses S. Grant pretty much said all right we have an opportunity to do a do-over in this country where we can really live the ideals of the constitution that all men are created equal, you know, no matter the color of their skin or what have you. And this will probably be another podcast, but we knew what happened there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. But here's an opportunity where they're creating this rainbow nation, you know, if you will, and the works of Mandela and Tutu, and now this next generation and this generation of coaches, that and this is not an indictment against you know coaches in America or what have you because we do have some courageous coaches here in America like yourself and however I'm seeing it more in in South Africa because they're in it (laughs) you know so it's that I'm learning from them is that cross and and what they said was well we're not going to slap you and we hadn't thought about it history that way but I see what you're saying you know, so that's what we're doing and the work that we're, we're doing is, is that, that cross-pollination um, of history, of, of learning, of, of coaching, I mean, all of that. Mm. And don't get me wrong, the, the beach and, you know, and all of that, but that's, that's secondary to what I want to experience in South Africa is, is just my team, you know, gathering together there.
1: That's beautiful. The spirit of courage that is calling you and drawing you yes. uh, like-minded, <laughs> like spirit. And mm. so for those that aren't aware, I want us to get right into the work, actually, since you brought that up, you know, yeah. the, the work that you're doing, uh, rising awareness, the four pillars, awareness, advocacy, allyship, and activism. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you started this movement and what you're hoping to happen. So uh,
0: last year, as you know, the world saw the killing of George Floyd and I saw the still shots or the still video on the news and I really couldn't watch the video until seven days later. And when I watched the video, I began to cry. Didn't know why I was crying. I know I was moved. But there was something that as I was watching this, and I think part of the reason I was crying because I said, you know what, this is still happening. This is still continuing. We can go back through all the names from George Floyd to Rodney King, and then we can go back to the 80s, 70s, I mean, uh, you know, 60s, 50s, and so on. So, my prayer, dear Lord, you know, what is what am I supposed to do? What is my, my role you know, in, during this season beyond mere talk? And um, I didn't hear an audible answer. <laughs> but one of the things that, and I'm looking at my whiteboard right here that I wrote down as I was going through this was is that this is going to continue. And this is just Perry speaking. This is going to continue until it is acknowledged and what's dismantled is systemic and institutionalized racist bias, if you will. And and as I wrote, institutions like the government, higher education, I mean, you name it. And I want to be careful here. Uh, even the church in the sense of the organization versus the organism, organized religion is not going to fix this problem. I believe, I think it's going to be a grassroots movement. The other thing that I saw was that all of this, as it pertains to healing, begins with the conversation. It begins with listening. You know, like you said, active listening and communication, and it was more so in addition to active listening is listening to connect. And that's what's missing. So I had some some white brothers and sisters who called me and Asked me how I was doing. And I said, well, you know what? I don't know right now. I'm kind of struggling through the pain. And then they asked if I would be open to having conversations with them about all of this so they can listen to learn and understand so they'll be able to respond versus react. And they were willing to pay my coaching fee, you know, which I said, well, I'm not feeling the coaching fee right now, you know, because I'm learning as well. And we began to have conversations like, you know, every month, once a month for an hour. And one of the things that I was doing, and I always do this, is is that I always, I set up ground rules for the conversation. You know, how do you wanna be? How are we gonna be in this conversation? You know, giving each other permission and even telling them you can ask any question you want and not feel like it's a racist question or I'm thinking that you're a racist or what have you, because we're learning, you know, together. So as that was going along, I began to set in a number of coaching organizations, like you know, the ICF, International Coach Federation and other organizations who had, you know, immediately put out their statement of condemnation and how they were going to approach all of this. And something Monique that was happening in each one of these webinars that caught my attention and I'm scratching my head where coaches are saying, and, and these are their words, that the topic of racism and social injustice and inequity is very uncomfortable, as well as messy, and their expression of feeling of inadequacy. And I'm scratching my head, not being judgmental, and I said, well, aren't we as professional coaches, aren't we trained, you know, to navigate the messy, uncomfortable conversations? And what is it about a non-coaching conversation or a conversation about race makes it difficult and uncomfortable and that's where all of this began to began to come together where i began to talk to like-minded like-spirited coaches coaches who are currently doing the work and i was sharing with them like the framework and the idea that i had about this whole movement starting with you know what I, we call the 4a's you know, the first one is awareness, and that's really raising consciousness and acknowledging that systemic racism and, and all of this exists. You know, advocacy is, again, the public act and process of supporting the cause of social change and, and equity. Allyship is, again, that supportive association. You know, with another purpose or group, and especially those who are either marginalized or mistreated. And their activism is done, as John Lewis says, you gotta say something, you gotta do something. (laughs) You know?
1: So, how is the movement structured?
0: So, basically, the movement is structured. And again, what I said, I think I may have said this earlier, you know, what we're doing is we're creating cultures rather than creating programs. So basically what we're doing is we're bringing coaches together, because I believe the future of coaching or a part of, uh, of that is coaches becoming social change agents and healing agents in society. Mm. So they are already in the marketplace. They're already embedded in, in these industries and these companies and corporations. And where they are lacking is being equipped with the skill set to navigate these conversations. So what we're doing at Rising Awareness is is that we have the framework, if you will, to really help them. And the framework is really nothing new. It's the the first ICF, or International Coaching Federation, competency of co-creating a relationship.
1: I want to jump in here. Sure. Because you said that you chose coaches because they're already healing agents. They're already plugged into different spaces and pretty much they have the competencies to affect healing and change. But when they came to the topic of race and race conversations, it was a little uncomfortable or messy. Why, why was that?
0: Here's what I'm finding in their words. And and I'm hearing this from coaches. I'm even hearing this from, from pastors of churches. There's this fear of saying the wrong thing, the fear of offending the fear of being misunderstood. Uh, as I told you earlier, I'm not afraid of nor do I, I am influenced by the, the cancel culture, <laughs> you know, and, and what have you. So so what's happening is, is that I think people, you know, they, they feel in that area, they don't feel that they're equipped to have the conversation. And, you know, I applaud, and I'll just stick because coaches are who I'm focusing focusing on working with. You know, I applaud them for acknowledging the feeling and the experience. But what's disturbing is when, as a human being, or let's, and I'll just keep it to coaches, when they are um, stealthily either disengaging from the conversation, when the topic comes up, or there's a pretense of engagement and even if they're uncomfortable i think just ethically and and with integrity saying to the client or the person that's just a topic that right now i'm not comfortable in having a conversation or or what have you but that's mainly what i am i'm finding is and then the other thing is Uh, And what we're working on, I, I see that a lot of conversations are conversation that comes from a place of either transactional, where there's an exchange of information, or positional, where one is trying to persuade each other versus transformational. And this is where rising awareness, and this is where we're going you know, with this is those conversations that makes a difference rather than defending one's point or or making
1: a point. You know, what I love the most about what you just said is that, you know, coaches, you focus on them and they're trained in this area. And, And then when the conversations around race come up, it's around the fear of being misunderstood, maybe not having the equipping tools and, you know, this podcast is, is about Black unity and understanding. And I see the parallels mm-hmm. in terms of having those difficult conversations mm-hmm. that so many of us are often afraid to have for the same reasons, fear of messing right. up, fear of offending.
0: But mm-hmm. Coach
1: Perry, I mean, you are someone who I observe and I watch, and it doesn't matter what the conversation is, you don't shrink away from it. And like you said, the cancel culture is something that doesn't phase you. So I need to understand our audience needs to understand (laughs) Coach Perry Rue. Mm -hmm. How would you describe this relationship with conflict, these uncomfortable, messy conversations? If you could walk us back through your exposure experiences conflict conflict as a child as an adult how would you describe this
0: yeah you know it's something that you said in one of your um podcasts matter of fact it's the podcast on activism (laughs) all right and one of the things that you mentioned and let me let me look at my notes because i want to get it right that you said that that we have to be self-aware okay All of my life, as far back as I can remember, as a little child, I was the peacemaker. I was the mediator, whether among my siblings or my parents or, you know, my classmates or schoolmates. And I think I was probably 18 or 19 years old when I had this kind of epiphany and I ran to my pastor and I said, you know, I think this is, you know, I think this is how God wired me and this is what I'm supposed to do. Please interpret. And he said, well, you have to wait on it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so let me say this. The way how I am wired, and and I fully embraced this several years ago, was I'm a mender. You know, and when you look at, and I know I'm going to mess this word up, the Greek word for a mender or mending is katartizoe. <laughs> <laughs> But all you have to do is remember men. So here's the Greek word or definition of men. To arrange, set in order, equip, adjust, complete that which is lacking, make fully ready, repair, prepare. And this is and this is what that sums it all up. To knit together like a broken or fractured bone. So, my childhood growing up, my interactions with friends and enemies, and whoever else, you know, during my time in IBM, that was a common theme. And I'm also a connector. I'm always one about bringing people, you know, together. So, in other words, that's how I've been wired, and I can't be anything other than that. Yes. So, when we have these. You know, part of going back to these conversations, the the, the thing that I am pushing and teaching and equipping them is co-creating that relationship. In other words, setting the ground rules for the conversation. You know, how do you want to be? How will we be together? If there's tension, let's pause and let's talk about how we're going to navigate through that. So it's really setting the ground rules. In order to navigate through the entire conversation without it imploding, you know, within two minutes or less. Within two
1: minutes. So when you, when you gave us that definition of mending and, and, and really that piece about knitting together that fractured bone, and I think of these messy conversations as fractured bones, right? So So you're, you're knitting that together and you're piecing that together, but sometimes you aren't able to set the ground conversation. And I'm taking this outside of the context of coaching for this section here, but can you think of a time where you were in a conversation that was fractured and it didn't start off with the uh, Mm -hmm. proper agreements or, you know, how did, how did you handle that situation
0: I learned the hard way, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Because what happens is, and this is called in in one of my coaching training, is designing an alliance, whether it's with your client or whether it's someone you're having a conversation with. It could be like you and I, you know? Because, see, oftentimes what happens is, is that we jump into a conversation or we start working together and we enter those conversations with our own unspoken, uh, assumptions, expectations, what we want to get out of the conversation, our personal values, and none of that or all of that remains unspoken until there's either friction, disappointment, <laughs> you know disagreement, or what have you so mm-hmm. my thought in this rather than wait until that happens within the conversation, why not do that at the beginning of the conversation, just like what we're taught in coaching now. Many people will say to me, Perry, that's just that's just unnatural. I mean, no one does that. You know, so sa-
1: that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, okay, outside of that coaching context, like, you know, have you ever because I know you were in a coach at two years old yeah, at, yeah. Or, or at eight years old. <laughs> yeah. So or at, at 16, yeah. You you may have had those skills. But what happened? Uh, When you didn't have those coaching competencies or skills, because our listeners, for the most part, don't really have those competencies Mm -hmm. and years of experience in training. So as they're listening, not only the coaches are having difficulty talking about race, but black people in general have difficulty talking about issues between and among each other. So if we don't have that, just imagine for a moment, we don't have those coaching training and we're having messy conversations or Mm -hmm. these uncomfortable conversations. Where do we start? We
0: start with connection, listening to connect. And You ever had a conversation where, you know, you're talking and, and the person, and you may have, you have seen this. It's like, you know what? You really get me. Or the question may be, are you feeling me? Is that? Connection and seeing when you put that ahead or or if that's your priority as to we are connecting and we're creating something to make a difference, you know, if you will, or something positive. So what happens is, and I'll just give this example. If you and I, let's say we didn't I didn't set up the ground rules, you and I are talking, and we get to this point where there's this tension, if you will, for me. I can either go deeper into that level of positional, where I'm trying to persuade you to see my point of view, or I can go the level higher of transformational, where I can pause and say, okay, so Monique, I noticed that that kind of struck a nerve <laughs> nerve with you. So, and, and, and it's not this codependency thing or what have you, but okay, it may not necessarily be something wrong with the conversation, but right now there's something wrong with us, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
1: Okay. So what, what is that skill that you are using? That skill that, what, that allows you to get into that transformation and pause and say, okay, I noticed that, look, mm-hmm. that, that, that rubbed you the wrong way. Like mm-hmm. what, what is that that you're using that gives no. you that ability to do that?
0: I don't know if you call it empathy or what, it's something that I'm tracking with you, that that reaction that you had, it is more of I'm curious for you rather than curious about you. It's not, well, Monique, why are you reacting that way? But what is it that's causing you to react that way? And and then from there is that connection is that trying to get to that place of you know commonality is really, rather than understanding the conversation, is really understanding you and understanding one another. I think it was, um, what's her name? Judith Glazer, who wrote the book, uh, and she's passed now, on Conversational Intelligence. You know, she says something about, about people wanting to want more to be connected than understood. Because if you're focusing on connecting, the understanding will happen versus starting of the place of understanding. <laughs> and then the connection may or may not. It, it's really about connection.
1: I love, I love that. Being curious, not curious for you, but curious about you, right?
0: No, like no, being get, not, curious, being curious for, for you, you, you rather than curious about, about because you. when I'm curious for you i'm stepping into you i'm stepping into monique i'm stepping into Mm -hmm. your shoes and what i'm doing now is is that i'm in that place of discovery with you rather than about you where i'm making up assumptions or judgments oh you're reacting that way because that's
1: good that's good that's good so if I imagine myself and I'm in that situation and I can't really describe or see what's going on, but that person that I'm talking to can pick that up and they can be curious for me, they're almost um, mirroring or yeah. uh, mi- mirroring some of that emotion or that yeah. feeling for me. Yeah, and, and that's
0: where, that's the connection. I don't know, This this may be kind of in context. So one of my coaches, uh, Althea Banda Hensman in South Africa, she was sharing with me when we were developing, this was last year, October, when she was creating this breakout room. And like I said, these are people that I have who are experts in the the areas. They've been doing this for years. I just brought them together. And this breakout session, she said, for this breakout session, we're going to separate have the whites in one in one room and blacks in the other, and we're on vid, we're on Zoom. And I began to kind of sink down in the chair in the fetal position, and she's watching me, but she's not saying anything. So as she's going on, I said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute stop, stop, stop. We're, we're not going to do that." And she said, "So Perry, what's going on right now?" I said. I don't, why are we separating the white folks from the black folks? And she said, well, for this exercise, what we have found and we've discovered that the conversations are more lively and they're more open when the whites are together and the blacks are together or people of color are together. And as I'm listening to her and then I sat up in the chair and I said, okay, I told all of you all that I have shared with you the framework and the vision, and you guys are going to breathe life into this. So I trust you, so do it. So she said, so I noticed when you sat down, you were kind of in the fetal position. Perry, what was going on? I said, Althea, when you said, we're gonna put the whites together and the blacks together, I said, I had a, my mind went back to when I was 11 years old, where I grew up in you know, South Carolina doing the tail end of the segregationist laws and the separate waiting rooms and what have you. I said, I vividly saw myself at 11 years old with my dad going to the doctor's office, going through the, the door that said colored and in the waiting room, Dr. Williams was white had a fish tank or an aquarium that separated the room. So you had the blacks on one side and the whites on the other. But when you went back into the examination room, we all used the same examination room. And I remember Dr. Williams, when my dad and I went in the back, Dr. Williams apologized to my dad because he would always do this. But for, for some reason, this particular time, I was paying attention. And he said, Perry, my dad's name was Perry. He said, Perry, I apologize. He said, you know, I don't like this. I don't want this, but it is the law. And I said, and Althea, that's what happened. And I said, and for the first time, because we're talking about, and this is probably another podcast about intergenerational trauma or trauma. I didn't realize in that moment when she was sharing all of that and everything I went through, I was having an experience of that trauma. So then we started having conversation about all of this and, you know, and as I always said, we always drink our own champagne. I said, okay, we're going to do that. We're definitely going to do this now, but I share, and I know that's a long story. No. Uh, The reason I share that is because one of the things that we're not into is facts and data and graphs. We want people to tell their stories. We want people to share their experience You know, and and that's how we another way how we connect. You know, if you can tell me or if you want to tell me, that's what this brought up. And I wasn't judged, you know, no one said, nobody tried to take care of, oh Perry, we're so sorry, or what have you. You know, it was okay, I got it. We got it. There was a shared learning moment in that and and kind of led the way of other people doing the very same.
1: Coach Perry, I want to thank you for sharing that story because, I mean, I feel like, you know, racism, like what you're talking about right now, that example, I mean, it was a part of your day-to-day yeah. growing up experience. And I, and I hear that story and I look at you today as a Black man growing up in the era where it was openly divisive, openly and visibly divisive for Black people and white people. And the ideology of white superiority is an imprint that so many black people have experienced. Mm -hmm. And so I I say to myself and I ask myself again, how is this man able to be such a embracer of conflict? If it's one thing that I know and I would want to just pick from you and put it in (laughs) my pocket, it would be this ability to lean in even in difficult situations considering the fact that you've gone through so much in terms of that environmental context. My question is, it seems that there was some healing along the way in order to get you to this point today. And for those that are listening, my audience that are listening, they may not be able to identify or even if a story like the one you shared when you were 11 comes up, they may not be able to share it. So when we talk about healing, intergenerational healing, where where do we start? You know, how, how do we help Black people to identify the parts of the white ideology that is playing out in their day-to-day life and in their thinking that causes the division amongst themselves, between other cultures, in right. general?
0: You know, um part of it and you know and i wrote this down and i can't find it now but that that that's okay you know it's something that you said and this is one of the things that i say repeatedly in our webinars and and work that we're doing and the question is this how have you been influenced or conditioned by the ideology of white superiority coupled with the system of racism. And when, and when I put it that way, and what I'm trying to get people to, to understand is, you know, as the apostle Paul said, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you know, it's principalities and powers, it's a system, it's an idea. What's really being protected and defended is, a, is an idea and a system. So if if I can look beyond the Black person, the white person, what have you, and understand, and this may explain (laughs) some of our behavior but not excuse it, but if, if we're looking at it from this place of either we have been influenced or conditioned by this idea and system from that vantage point and then talk about you know, unity or what have you from there. Uh, what I was looking for, and, and, and you all probably have seen this, is, is that, I mean, for me, where I'm going, Monique, is the person, the soul and the spirit of that person. You know, where where do we have, you know, commonality, if you will? When I think about, and, and, and thank you so much for your focus on Black unity, because see, one of the things that, some of us don't talk about is the division, you know, within our own culture. And what I'm looking at right now is what are some of the influencing and conditioning that kind of created that? So as, as Malcolm X said, who taught you <laughs> not to like your hair or your nose or your, or, or your lips? Uh, who taught you these things? So there are some things about that idea and that system that has been embedded that some people are denying. As I told one person when I was in first grade, my first grade reader was Dick and Jane. Well, Dick and Jane was white, you know, and the only thing that was black was Dick's hair, his short pants, Sally and Jane's black patent leather shoes, and Spot had a black spot. So in other words, we have been, and some of this is that we've been indoctrinated or maybe a lot of it is this that's something else that we have to dismantle as well. So as part of this unity, we have to become more educated in the sense, and I believe through conversations where we can get our parents and our grandparents to talk about as painful as it is or was share that with us we we have to go beyond the knee-jerk reaction of these sound bites and and really delve into what is the truth behind what we're what we're hearing and as dr king said we we must have critical thinking that goes along with that Mm -hmm. i don't know if i answered your question yeah
1: (laughs) you did you did you did you did and 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 i want to just say and before we begin to wrap up and close because there's so many pieces. There's so many nuggets that I captured in this conversation, Coach Perry. I want to make sure that the listeners are also capturing the nuggets that I'm hearing here today and, and your wisdom. And, and starting first with your journey of connecting to your coaches in South Africa. You know, yeah. it's it's the spirit. It's the spirit, the like Spirit And the courage that can draw you to connecting to those that are of like mind. The other point is that, you know, coaches are already healers, they're, they're in the business of healing, they're healing by trade and by profession. And so if we're looking for connection and unity, looking for those who are in the healing business or in the business of healing is a great place to start. What I love is that you're giving and equipping coaches specifically Uh to take this conversation to the next level, to go deeper within themselves. Thirdly, knitting the fractured bone of conflict. Conflict is something that so many people are afraid of in the United States. Corporate America pays $359 billion because of conflict. And so if we are able to be curious for the person that we are speaking to, we're going to be able to mend and knit that fractured bone. And finally, what I think is the most important point, when you scratch the tip of the tip of the (laughs) tip of the tip of the iceberg. Is really understanding the system and the ideology that we're defending, starting Mm -hmm. using that as a starting point or a vantage point. And -hmm. from there now, having those legs spread into the unifying conversation. So Coach Perry, as we Mm -hmm. begin to wrap up and close, I want to ask you, is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? If there's one thing that you would like to share, what would that be?
0: You know, um, as we're talking about black unity and unity overall, and these conversations, here's my encouragement: do it scared, do it scared. You know, I often ask folks, you know, who are afraid to make mistakes and what have you, and and I said, how did you learn how? I said, when you, how did you learn how to walk? And they'll finally get around to the answer by falling down. And that's part of when we have these conversations, whether at the beginning, the ground rules at the beginning, or, or as it's coming up in the conversation, we push the pause button, if you will. And we say, hey, look, I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to make a mistake. This is going to be messy. It's going to be uncomfortable. We may be misunderstood. Okay, we know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But how do we navigate through that? Is as my 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 friends in South Africa said, the stick to itness of the conversation. <laughs> you
1: don't, know? don't back so, away. Don't run don't away.
0: Back, don't back away. And you know, and when we talk about conflict, you know, sometimes that's used in a negative term, but there's a difference or a distinction between destructive conflict and constructive conflict. So always focus on constructive conflict and and do it scared (laughs)
1: Mm, I love that I absolutely love that and that's exactly what we need to embrace in order for us to have these messy and uncomfortable conversations not running away not being afraid I mean easier said than done for sure yeah Uh, but definitely that's where we need to go if we want to move towards a better culture and a better society Coach Perry, if the listeners want to get more of your wisdom directly one-on-one, anyone who is a coach or thinking about a coach, first of all, y'all better connect with him, where (laughs) can they find you?
0: Okay. Well, on LinkedIn, which which is my electronic business card. So anything and everything you want to know about me on LinkedIn. So uh, again, my name, Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, last name was R-H-U-E. And the wonderful thing about that is I am the only Perry Rue on the planet in LinkedIn. So, so On the LinkedIn planet. On the LinkedIn (laughs) planet, okay? If you want to visit my website, it is forcoachesbycoaches.com. And what you're going to see right now is kind of an evolution, if you will, of the website. You'll see my primary job role as mentor coaching coaches as routines to their practice and their business. And of course, rising awareness is now taking preeminence over that. And uh, let's see, my email address is peri.ru at, and I'll spell this for you, ecclesia, which is E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A, the number four, coaches.com. And by the way, ecclesia is the Greek word for community.
1: Fantastic coach Perry thanks again for your wisdom for your insight for your leadership on the show and for listeners make sure that you give us a five-star rating let us know how you enjoyed this show let us know what actions you will take moving forward and if you're going to be curious for others tell us about your first step thank you once again for listening to the bridge to you podcast thanks for listening to the bridge to you podcast visit com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at Clear Communication Coach.
0: This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit MarketingPodcasts.net.